Find out how to integrate your faith and work and make your work more meaningful and fulfilling by heading to our podcast sponsor's website, workmatters.org, workmatters.org, Work Matters, proud sponsors of the I Work For Him podcast. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon as Martha and I broadcast you out of our Tampa Bay studios the first time in a very long time we've been back here in the studios. Boy, do we have a story to share with you today. But first, I want to shout out to all of our listeners all over Tampa Bay, from south of Ocala to north of Fort Myers, all the way over to Disney, and all over the first coast of Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and Folkestone, Georgia. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We have quite a story to tell you, and we're super excited to do that. But first, Martha wants to tell you how to really engage with us this year on our social media platforms. Well, I tell you what, Jim, the first thing that people can do, and we are still a little bit old school, and Facebook is our primary. Send us letters. The address <laughs> is? Um, yes, nailmail.com. No, that doesn't work that way. Anyway, um, Facebook is our primary place that we post things. We do also have Twitter and Instagram, and um, we're LinkedIn. You're a LinkedIn junkie, right? 2,400 connections. That's right. So we just really want to hear from people. What is going on in your workplace? What is God doing in your life through your work and being able to share that story? So if you have a short story that God has been writing in your workplace, we want to hear about it. Our website's a great place to do that. They can go to our contact page at iworkforhim.com. I work the number for him.com, our contact page, and write it out get us uh, get in touch with us let us know we can have a phone call and talk about it some more but we we are in the business of sharing and highlighting what God is doing in the workplace. And everybody that joins the I Work For Him Nation gets a personal message from me. I email you back and we talk, but you know, I would like to challenge everybody listening to this show to join the I Work For Him Nation. Now, it's not a club. It's not something you pay for. It's a commitment between you and the Lord to be a change agent in your workplace, to be somebody that is being intentional in your behavior, to make an impact in everything that you do all day long. To first of all, to start pray, praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Look for ways to serve them over and above what your job requires you to do. Then look for ways to befriend people outside of the workplace all along. Looking for ways to pray with people when you see that they're having a rough day. But being a person of excellence is key to all of that, isn't it, Martha? It really is. We believe that people, we know that people judge a book by its cover. And so people are judging who we are often by what we do and how we do it. And so we believe in doing things with excellence, not for the reason of um, pride or um, self, you know, esteem or anything like that, but truly for the purpose of drawing attention to the one who gave us that excellence. And excellence, if we as Christ followers aren't demonstrating excellence in our job, why would somebody want to hear what Jesus has done in our lives? We should be the number one employees in our position in our organizations. All right, enough about that. Iworkforhim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. All right. There are currently 121,678 people waiting for life-saving organ transplants in the United States of America. 100,791 of them await kidney transplants. This is, you know, statistics from last year. The median wait time, for those of you that went through math class back in 7th and 8th grade, for an individual first kidney transplant is 3 and a 3.6 years and can vary depending on health, capability, and availability of organs. There's a point to all this. Don't switch the stations. 
Stay tuned. Stay tuned. In 2014, 17,107 kidney transplants took place in the United States. Of these, 11,570 of them came from donors that had to die first before they got to give their kidney away. But 5,537 came from living donors. Every month, 3,000 new patients are added to the kidney waiting list. Every month, 3,000. 13 people die every day waiting for a kidney transplant. Every 14 minutes, someone is added to that kidney transplant list. That's that whole 3,000 new patients are added every month. In 2014, 4,761 patients died while waiting for a kidney transplant. Another 3,668 became too sick to receive a kidney transplant. Why are we talking about kidney transplants? Why are we talking about those statistics? Well, I'm here to tell you that I believe we as Christ followers in our country have the ability to save people by donating a kidney. And here's our story. In 2017, a very good friend of mine, Bill, who you got to hear from back in March of 2018, Bill got put on the kidney transplant list. And immediately I thought, hmm, I wonder if I should check this out. I wonder if I should be a donor. But I thought, I'm too busy. There's no way I could ever do that. But I still requested the kit and thought, well, maybe I'll go through the, maybe I'll fill out the forms. But I waited and I waited. And then I kept thinking, well, there's something I could do. We could do a radio show about it. Didn't we do that? That's right. So in March of 2018, we brought Bill on. We talked about the um, the need for a kidney. We um, actually was Bill on the show. We just yeah, talked about it. No, yeah, Bill yeah. was on the show. And, um, and his daughter called in. We talked to a surgeon. We talked to people that um, had been involved in this whole process of giving or needing a kidney and the need for kidney donors across America, thinking that that was the part that we needed to play in helping Bill to get a kidney. And what's really cool, after that show, people listening to the I Work Frame radio show, four people responded and said, I want to check it out and see if I could donate a kidney to Bill. Mm. Three people it didn't work out for, and one person went all the way through the process and got qualified, almost qualified for it, but just had to lose a little bit of weight for to donate the kidney. But it didn't end up working out. And so in May of 2018, my friend Bill, who lives in Minnesota, where we come from, he his kidneys actually got yanked out of his body. His kidneys were so diseased, they were starting to cause major problems with the rest of his organs. They were 35 pounds apiece. Kidneys weigh six ounces, as we've learned over the last several months, 35 pounds each. Bill lost 88 pounds last year. 70 of them were kidneys. Unbelievable. So Martha and I, as you guys know, we've traveled quite a bit this year, haven't we? Oh, last year. We've traveled quite a bit. You counted the days. How many days was it? Well, I think all in total now we're about 150 days in 2018. On the road, road away from home. Meeting people like you who want to live out their faith and their work, want to really be vibrantly effective in bringing the good news of Christ into the workplace, first of all, by just being a great example. And and it was so much fun. But when we got back from our summer trip, we left at the end of June and got home at the beginning of August. I said to Martha, I said, you know, I'd like to just see if maybe I could qualify. I I was really honestly hoping and praying that somebody else would step forward and that somebody else would be the volunteer to donate their kidney. I was hoping it would be somebody else. But it wasn't happening. And Bill was in doing dialysis. And uh, I thought, well, 
maybe I should check it out. What did you think? When I asked you that question, when I said, I'd like to check it out, I'd like to see if I could donate, what, what was going through your mind? Well, honestly, we'd been talking no, about it. No, I want it. you to lie. We want more to lie in the air today, don't we? I want the listeners to know that this is the honest-to-goodness truth that over the nine months prior to that, we had had that discussion many times um, and couldn't possibly see how humanly possible it was to spend any time focusing on it. We were just very busy with the radio show. And so I wasn't at all surprised nor hesitant um, when you said, when I get home from this trip, I am going to make the appointment to start you know, checking off the boxes to see if I qualify. And um, we had the discussion that, you know, if at any point it's not supposed to happen, you know, well, no, because you won't qualify to go to the next level because there's um, little did we know then how many tests you would have to do. Or how many vials of blood. (laughs) But we don't want to give away the end of the story. So in beginning of August, I had filled out all the paperwork, which was quite extensive. And they wanted to check out my medical background and get my medical stuff released from my local doctor here in Tampa Bay. And, And we just had to see. You know, could I qualify? And I didn't even know my blood type. I mean, I don't know. How many of you out there listening know your blood type? And and I knew I needed to be um, a certain type of blood, O positive. Hey, just so you know, that's now out there in the record. I'm O positive. So in case anybody needs to, you know, get blood from me. Nope, I gave plenty last year. And Martha's going to do a little bit of a recap. <laughs> well, I am, Jim. Because um, a couple of, well, actually several years ago, we became aware of the need um, for people that have kidney disease that um, may need to have a transplant, that their kidneys cannot function their body enough as they as they need it to. And you, at the beginning of the show, listed out some statistics that are pretty staggering, that just in America, um, the number of people that get put on a organ transplant list every year, the number of those that are for kidneys, and that how many, there are a lot of people that um, don't ever get to see that time where they are given a, a kidney transplant, either through someone um, passing away or through a living donor. So um, just some amazing statistics that are out there to help open the eyes of people that there's such a huge need in our country for people that have sick kidneys. And God has just really... Um, allowed us to become a part of that conversation. And you may go, be going, hey, what does this have to do with faith and work? Well, just hang on. You don't, you, you can't go away. There's just too much for today's show. And, and this is one of those ones where, as Martha and I are live in Tampa Bay today, you, this is a story that needs to be broadcast across the globe because just as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, 3,000 new patients are added to the kidney waiting list every month and 3,700 people die every year before they get a kidney transplant. It, it just is too much to uh, to say all in one show. But one of the ones, so what we said is that my buddy Bill, we've been friends for 30 years. In fact, we met it, uh, because his kid joined our youth group 30 years ago. And Bill and I became friends over many years. And he's one of the very few guy friends that I have in Minnesota that kept in touch with me after we moved to Florida 15 years ago. And so we followed Bill along as his kidney disease got worse and worse and worse. And his kidneys grew from six ounces to last May of 2018, 35 pounds apiece. And so they got so bad, they had to pull them out. And when they pulled them out, it became a part of Bill's life that he just was on dialysis virtually all the time. Six hours a day, three days a week. So one day he's on dialysis, the next day he's recovering from it. And I just, it really was a burden to me. I would talk to him on the way to dialysis and he sounded pretty good. And on the way home, he sounded like he'd been run over by a semi-truck. And 
I, Martha and I talked about it, and I thought, well, maybe nobody else was stepping up to be a donor. I thought, well, maybe I could qualify. So, Jim, we were talking in the last segment about the pet. We got to that point where you said, when I get home from this last road trip this summer, um, I want to start the process. So tell people what that was like. So the first stuff was paperwork. You know, as you figure any health organization would ask you a ton of questions. <laughs> I can't remember how many pages it was, but like 30. And, you know, because they wanted to dig in. They wanted to see, you know, what am I diseased with? Uh, you know, the, without them even pulling blood, do I have any health issues that would keep me from mm-hmm. donating a kidney? Then they started with the specimen stuff. So first they yank a bunch of blood and they actually have you collect samples for an entire day, urinary samples for an entire 24-hour period in a bucket, which you store in your refrigerator. There you go. That that was pretty impactful. <laughs> Just put that right out there for That's everybody. That's right. Before you go to the bathroom, stop at the fridge along the way. Okay. So we did those two things. They sent them off the results. They come back and go, Jim, you're the right blood type. It doesn't appear on the first swath through that you have any diseases and your kidneys are functioning fine. So you're good to go to the next level. Then they started. Then I had to go and get 10 blood pressure checks, 10 different days to see how my blood pressure was. Because if you have blood pressure issues, you cannot donate a kidney. So I went and did that. Well, I found this really great Morton Plant Bay Care Urgent Care uh, in on Walsingham in Largo, Florida. And Stephanie McCormick and her team there allowed me to come in there and get blood pressure checks. I just want to give hats off to them. They wanted to be part of me, my living kidney donation. Oh, I just gave it away. And they... <laughs> They said, they just took my blood pressure checks and I had to report it back and they sent those away and they say, okay, Jim, your blood pressure looks okay. Then the next thing, the kidney donation department said, what's the face? Martha's giving me this look. What did I, what? Go okay. ahead. Okay. So then the next thing Getting they did was they do a here. swab. You said what, what was involved. Then they do a swab of your DNA. They want to check DNA. They want to see how was my DNA compared to Bill's DNA and would it be compatible? Turns out. I mean, and we prayed, Martha and I prayed all through this process. Lord, if you don't want us to do this, if you don't want me to donate my kidney to my buddy Bill, just step in the way. Just have one of these tests go awry. Just have one of these tests come back the wrong direction and we'd be done. So, Jim, how good of a match were you genetically? They said I was as good of a genetic match as if I was like his son. So Three, three out of six. Three out of six genetic markers matching, which they said so another sometimes... another green light. Yep, green light, green light. So then... On October 4th, now you guys know we travel all over the country. In September, we're on the road for two weeks. In October, we're on the road for three weeks. On October the 4th, right before we were getting ready to leave on a road trip, they called and said, Jim, you are a phenomenal match for your buddy Bill. And I'm just going, really? I mean, we just are random strangers that met 30 years ago. That Now we're friends. And so we, uh, they said the next step is for you to come spend two days in a hospital getting tested in Minneapolis. I'm like, well, you know, Minneapolis is 17 uh, hours, uh, uh, miles, how about 1,700 miles away? And uh, that's a lot of uh, traveling to be able to get done for two tests. How are we ever going to fit that in? So anyway, we, uh, we, we well, go well, ahead. Well, God just provided for us to work out our schedule. And so that was pretty amazing for us to see how he orchestrated the time and the availability for us to be able to move to um, that next level of testing and be in Minneapolis for a couple days, unannounced, because at this point, Jim, did Bill know anything about what we were doing? No, I didn't want to tell Bill that I was getting tested because I didn't want him to get his hopes up. So we uh, we snuck up into Minneapolis right before the, uh, we had to be in Chicago on the 11th of October for the Faith and Work Summit. And so we snuck up into Minneapolis, did two days of testing. At the end of the two days of testing, they said, Jim, 
you are qualified to donate your kidney to your buddy Bill. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, I'm going to tell this, Martha. But oh, I knew you you're would. 52 and a half, and you're supposed to have had a colonoscopy by now. And so you need to go home and get a colonoscopy, and then we can finally approve you. I'm like, there's So a... everybody listening knows how excited you must have been to get that news. That was like the best news of October that I get to go have a colonoscopy. <laughs> not. It's not the colonoscopy people. It's the prep for the colonoscopy, which my mom, it's her fault. She she complained about it 40 years ago, and I mean, freaked out about it. And so for 40 years, I've been going, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But I love Bill. So when we got home from our road trip, I did it. And I had the colonoscopy, which... By the way, the prep for the colonoscopy, somebody out there, you're brilliant enough, fix it. That was ridiculously horrible. (laughs) Figure out a different way. I had to drink 16 glasses of this horrible stuff that makes you do things with your body that you never imagined were possible. And the 15th glass, I'm like, Bill, I don't know if I love you enough to go through with this just so I can donate my kidney because this is horrible. So I did it anyway, but I didn't make glass number 16. So it's on the record. I threw the 16th glass down the drain. (laughs) But while we're doing this, while Martha and I were on the road in October, I grew a mole on my forehead. So when we got back from the road trip, I had a mole removed from my forehead. The next day, we had the colonoscopy. And then that day, they said, Jim, we found something in your colonoscopy. We've got to send it out for testing. And so I'm like, oh, so I don't get to tell Bill that I'm qualified because I still don't know the results. Two days later, November 2nd, we get the news. I'm qualified. and, And that's when the story gets really cool. Martha. Oh, was that my cue? That was. I need to take a drink. Okay. So when we finally found out that um, we were free and clear to be able to call Bill and let him know that um, someone had stepped up to become a donor and that that someone was you, that was a pretty exciting moment. Getting him on the speakerphone. Um, he happened to be in the truck with his son. and His it was son the that son. joined the youth group. 30 years ago. That's right. He was that um, common denominator that how we met his parents. And um, Jim said, Bill, I want you to know that I'm going to be able to donate you, donate my kidney. We're going to have surgery on December 10th. I think, didn't we know the date oh, yeah. at that point? Yes, we did. And um, wow, the, <laughs> the next three or four phone calls were, is this really happening? I can't believe this. Um, am I dreaming? You know, it was pretty exciting to just... Um, know that Bill had uh, a hope and a, a future that would be with a kidney. And, and it was fun. We cried together. It was it was an amazing experience. And so the next step for us in this whole process was I had to get a flu shot and a tetanus shot. And we're in the doctor's office getting flu shots and tetanus shots. And the dermatologist called and said, Jim, you've got skin cancer. I'm like, really, Lord? I'm doing this. You want me to donate my kidney. Then you make me have a colonoscopy. Now you're telling me I got skin cancer. And they say, you got to have surgery and you got to have it cleaned up and it's got to be healed before you can donate your kidney. I'm like, we're on a tight schedule here, people. We don't have time for this. And the dermatology place said, we can't get you into the 4th of December. Well, the good news is I said, listen, I got to donate my kidney on the 10th. I need to have surgery sooner. They called back. They got us in on the 16th of December. And they got all the cancer out of my forehead. That's right. So now I have a really cool scar on my forehead and that had seven stitches in it. And but you're we were, cancer-free. We're on, I'm cancer-free. And we're moving on toward bigger and better things of donating my kidney to my buddy Bill on December the 10th. You know, one of the things that is a part of the story, Jim, as it unfolds is... Well, we should tell people. Listen, if you're just tuning in oh, right now, yeah. here's the deal. Back in March... 
we did a show highlighting the need of my very good friend Bill Boyson that he needed a kidney and mm-hmm. he needed a donor. And so we did a show advertising that need and four of our I Work For Him listeners responded to that need and one of them made it almost all the way to the finish line to donate. And I was thinking that was our role, but that all fell through. And then um, we just I just felt like the Lord was saying, Jim, I want you to see if you qualify. And so that's where the story comes up, this process of getting qualified. That's right. So you've been sharing some of the medical things that were necessary for you to do the um, get approved in order to be a living kidney donor. And one of the things that in this process, as we um, shared it with close family, especially, is the fact that we realized that this really kind of is a workplace story because um, years ago, our friend Bill Um, became a buyer for us for our car dealership that we had in Minnesota. And so you forged a business relationship on top of the relationship that we had with him through, um, you know, casual uh, friends, mutual friends that we had. So pretty exciting to see that as we talk with all of our um, listeners across the I Work For Him Nation and we talk about workplace stories, that this really is a workplace story about how God used a relationship in a way that we would have never expected. All right, so let me pick up the story from where we were right before the break. As we said, back in August, I started the process of getting qualified. And then in November, on the 2nd of November, I uh, got the green light that I could donate my kidney to my friend Bill on the 10th of December. And then I got to call Bill and tell him that good news. And I said, Bill, I have gotten qualified. And I never told him I was doing this. We've been good friends for a very long time. I have gotten qualified to donate my kidney to you. And he couldn't believe it. He was speechless. And those of you listening, you're thinking, Jim, we've heard you on air the last month. Well, that's part of the cool part of the story. So as we go through this process and we're getting prepared for a December 10th donation of my kidney to my buddy Bill, the Lord had helped us to accumulate 26 days of incredibly cool stories from all over the country of people sharing their faith and work stories. And we had them accumulated and the amount of time we needed off from the 4th of December, as we traveled North of Minnesota to last Friday was 25 programming days. It was unbelievable. The Lord provided incredibly for our needs. And so There we go. So on the after we got past the skin cancer thing, which I had in mid-November, we started preparing for going north. On the fourth, the third of December, we did our last show here in Tampa Bay. The fourth of December, we did a show in Georgia, on our way to Iowa and then to Minnesota. Of course, we had to see our kids when we're driving north. And we get to Minnesota for the seventh of December, and they go back through and they do a whole bunch of more blood tests. They do a whole bunch of more things to to make sure that I'm still qualified. And we get into Minneapolis. They do all that testing. And Friday night, December 7th, of course, Pearl Harbor Day, celebrating Pearl Harbor and the sacrifices so many people gave up on that day. I was just reminded that what a great privilege it was for me to be able to Donate my kidney to my friend Bill. And a lot of people said, Jim, uh, were you at peace about it? Were, were you uptight about it? And I'm like, you know what? I had peace the entire time, didn't I, honey? You really did. Um, we The night that we decided, okay, we're all in, we're going to do this, um, both of us were a little restless that night just the, with the reality of it, but not a lack of peace about it. Um, I think we just kind of wrestled in the flesh like, what does this really mean? 
to be doing this. But beyond that, um, you had a tremendous amount of peace and resolve because a lot of people would be like, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, and they must have asked me. 25 times. Jim, well, any job. anytime you want to bail out of this process, you can bail out. I'm like, I would not have started the process if I intended to bail out. But yet, at the same time, if there was any shadow of a doubt, they were there for you to help us through that. And, and there wasn't. And um, the amount of peace that we had, we actually slept. You know, it was great. It was just amazing um, that God provided us with that peace. So we, uh, we had that weekend before the surgery. And it was just a lot of thought-provoking time. Uh, just to like, okay, a reality check that, okay, I'm about ready to give up an organ that I use every day, but put it in bill so he can get a life back. And uh, it was fun. We we planned something. This is something the Lord laid on my heart that I wanted to be able to share our story with our family and friends in Minneapolis. And so we had mm-hmm. a potluck and prayer on the 9th of December where we gathered together all of Bill's family and his grandkids and as much of our family that could be there, nieces and nephews and sisters and um, the brother-in-laws that could be there just to share the story. Because we had some family members that were a little skeptical about why we were doing what we were doing. And we just want, I wanted people to hear the story. I mean, this is something that we have walked along Bill and his wife, Marietta, for, for 20 years of kidney disease. And we knew that Bill would one day end up on the kidney transplant list. I just never imagined that it would be me that would donate that kidney. So Martha left the studio to try to get hold of Bill to kind of surprise you guys and bring Bill in on. You couldn't get a hold of Bill? Not yet. All right. We're still trying Bill. Okay. All right. Well, Michael, you keep trying. Don't give up on him. I'm texting him too. He said he would be willing <laughs> to take our call. call. Probably got a, you know, maybe the, his doctor checking in on oh, him Oh, yeah, maybe. So we, uh, we, so the December 9th, we, uh, we did the potluck and prayer. Just got to pray together. A bunch, about 40 of us, wasn't it? Yes. Incredible food. It was good. Lots of good chicken and um, homemade meals, our side dishes, macaroni and cheese, things like that. But, you know, the it was key, the cheesy potatoes that the, I'm still wishing I could have had more. The key to that whole day was just getting to hear you and Bill's hearts and your um, relationship with each other, your friendship, and um, that you cared enough to do this. And, you know, I think that one of the things that Whenever you make a decision, you don't really know all that's going to be involved, but just having the resolve of saying, I want to do this and I want to help and knowing that a life of dialysis is really rough. That's something I think that you really learned in the last five months leading up to this was, you know, just seeing somebody. It was awful. It is. It's it, it. And and being able to say, OK, I he might have an opportunity to live without that dialysis and what a blessing that would be. So we we get to the hospital the night of December 9th. We got to spend some time with family and with Bill and Marietta, his wife. And then we had to get up at four ridiculous clock in the morning uh, for the surgery, which I don't understand why. You know, you're going to go ahead and donate a part of your body that you use every day. They're going to torture you just a little bit further and make you get up at four o'clock in the morning. But the cool part was we got together with Bill and his wife and his sister and his daughter, who already has had a kidney transplant, and we got to pray together early in the morning, drive over to the hospital together early in the morning, and start going through processing where they, of course, strip you of all your clothes and put a ridiculous gown on you and start poking holes in you and connecting tubes wow, and wires. Wow, you make this sound so wonderful, Well, Jim. it was, you know, it's just, you know, if you're going to be naked in front of complete strangers, you might as well do it in front of as many complete strangers as possible. <laughs> so, Sorry about the images, listeners. That's We're, okay. I think that a lot of people have had people go through surgery and just knowing that, you know, that the prep is a part of it. We know that there's a reason for it. But again, what a great morning of um, just being able to say, okay, 
God, you've got this. You've given us amazing uh, medical people and um, great technology to be able to do this. And we just trust you with the results. And what was really cool at the last minute, a doctor and what's, you know, we had originally said, this is the doctor that's going to do the surgery. But we found out on the 7th of December that the doctor that was actually going to do the surgery is the one that we interviewed on the air last March. So you already knew who we were, knew some of the story, knew that I wasn't planning on being the donor. <laughs> but he got to do the surgery and he was a believer. Dr. Staler loves Jesus, loves tearing kidneys out of people and putting them in other people. And that was cool because we got to pray together on our pre-op appointment. We got to pray together before the surgery. We got to pray together many times afterwards. It was really a privilege. And Susanna Gust, our kidney advocate, she also a believer. So she was the one that kept screening my calls and said, Jim, are you, are, you, know, are you okay with this? She's the one that kept arranging all the appointments. She's phenomenal. I mean, mm -hmm. just a phenomenal, the sweetest lady in the world in that part of the, the kidney transplant world. Just so much fun. So we were sitting there 727 on Monday morning, December 10th, getting ready. Surgery's at 730. That's where they're going to wheel me out. And I had to go to the bathroom. Just want to put that in there. <laughs> Just a little crazy, you know, delayed the surgery a little bit, but got things all taken care of. And I remember just thinking, I'm totally at peace about this. I have no reservations mm -hmm. and uh, kissed Martha goodbye. And they wheeled me in. And the last thing I remember, I did have a little panic when they put the mask on you to knock you out. I got claustrophobic, but it was only for two seconds because then he knocked me out. So I didn't remember anything else. The next thing I remember is waking up four hours later, kidneyless, one kidneyless. Feeling like what? I had done a thousand sit-ups. And what was the first thing on your mind, Jim? I wanted to know, was Bill peeing yet? Just sorry for the graphic words. I just wanted to know, did it work? Because he told me, hey, Jim, best case scenario is before we're done hooking up your kidney and Bill, it'll be working. Worst case scenario is it won't work at all. I'm like, I'm not going through this if it doesn't work. Not like I had well, any control. You're going to go through it. But I just it didn't figure God would bring us through this whole thing and have it not work. I figured but he it, had a purpose in all this. It can happen. It and can that, happen. Was a, that was a reality that I they, didn't like that reality. So I was in denial of that reality. I prayed against that reality. I didn't like that reality. <laughs> so for the next about four hours after recovery, um, all I heard from Jim is, is Bill peeing yet? I just wanted to know. Is it they, working? Is they it working? didn't pull B, Bill into surgery until they'd seen my kidney and made sure that it was good. So his surgery was delayed about an hour after my surgery. And then they um, then they pulled Bill in. But I was in out of recovery and into my ho my hotel room. <laughs> the hospital <laughs> Your room. My luxury suite. My luxury suite at the hospital connected up with many different places you'd rather not hear about. Uh, and... Bill was not in his room for another four hours. I'm like, well, is Bill okay? I just want to know. Is Bill okay? And, and I just wanted to know. Did what I just go through? I know that you just wanted to know because that's all you asked me. <laughs> I just, well, I was a little comatose, but I wanted to know. I wanted to know, was Bill okay? I, I wanted so how to, did you feel when you finally were told? Uh, well, I'm not going to tell that until after the break. Okay. But I, I wanted, I just want to put this plug out there. We're talking about kidney, living kidney donation because... I had the privilege on December 10th of donating my kidney to a very good friend. And I am now a single kidney person walking through life, still drinking Mountain Dew, I would I would note. Although the doctors said that maybe I should use this as an opportunity to improve my eating lifestyle. Well, we'll think about that next month. So, but I will tell you that it was the greatest Christmas gift I ever got in my entire life to donate my kidney to a friend. And I'm not doing this to draw attention to what I did. I got to tell you, it's the greatest gift I've ever been given to be able to donate my kidney. Uh, and that may sound weird, 
But I'm telling you, that's the way I feel. And I was really hoping we'd be able to pull Bill in last minute into the conversation, but I can't get him to answer his phone, so I think he got a little radio shy. But we'll make sure we get him on the next time, and maybe we'll still get him. Michael Miracle is working hard to find him. Well, what's pretty amazing is that, can I give this away? I mean, he's feeling great. Well, let's and tell so him. he's okay. a little busy. All right, so let's just tell how great he is. So December 10th, we donate the kidney, and I'm asking all afternoon, how's Bill doing? Is he peeing yet? Is he peeing yet? The doctor comes in somewhere late in the afternoon. I don't remember because they had me on a lot of drugs. And they said that before my kidney was done being hooked up, the kidney was working. And that night... Bill produced the equivalent of four two-liter bottles of liquid through that bladder that was connected to the kidney, and Bill was doing phenomenal. So phenomenal that the next day, while I was in quite a bit of pain, um, he wheeled down through his, with his wheelchair to see how I was doing because he was feeling so great, and he was, I mean, just, he got his life back. It was That was an incredible time. I just got done having a little problem with some pain med- medications, and he looks like he's ready to run a marathon. Yeah, I think that for me, watching the actual transformation of his face, of the light in his eyes. The color of his skin. Um, was so amazing. And to see that it, it, he truly bounced back to life. Um, in a way like you can't re- it's hard to explain it but it really did happen and so he was feeling great came and visited you several times in your room finally um, there was a point where you got to go up and see him in his room and um, have a good chat it was uh, now let me just tell you from the living kidney donor perspective because i want this show to be used by living first of all if you ever want to consider being a living kidney donor, I want you to call my friend Suzanne August at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minneapolis, 612-863-8886, 612-863-8886. You can find out about what you know what it's like to go through the process, but this show is a good indication. So after the surgery, yeah, I drugged up and uh, I felt like I'd done a thousand sit-ups. The worst part was getting up. They wanted me to walk around by the end of the day. I felt like walking 12 steps was like running, I don't know, from here to L.A. (laughs) It was a little bit on the rough side, a little bit on the rough side. Uh, The next day, they removed some of the the, the, uh, wires and tubes from me, and they wanted me to start walking around the hospital. Uh, but my pain, it was significant. The second day after the surgery, they said Bill would feel like running a marathon and that I would feel like I got run over by a semi-truck. They didn't miss that by much. No, they were pretty accurate, but you did a really great job. You were, I have to tell everybody, Jim was an amazing patient. He um, listened, he obeyed, he didn't um, fight back, he didn't argue, he didn't say but, but, but. He just, you know, if they told him to go take a walk, he went and took a walk and did what he was supposed to do so that he could really make the strides towards, um, you know, just getting to a point where we could leave the hospital and continue our recuperation and um you you did that very well so four days in the hospital um the Mm -hmm. after day two everything was pretty okay under control with medicaid pain medications and it really wasn't horrible on day two it just was rough i mean but they say that i should expect that because i i had an organ that was perfectly fine that i yanked out of my body and gave to somebody else and that there was some stitches and some other places that they cut that i like to use it was like him having a c-section let's just put it that way. yeah because our niece came who's had three c-sections and she goes you're walking just like you had a (laughs) c-section so it was uh, we got home i have an incredible sister i only have one uh, and she let us stay for a week in her basement as i'm recovering from the surgery there in minneapolis before we headed home because I needed to recover. 
before I jumped in the backseat of a car and let Martha drive all the way home. But I, I got to tell you, you know, I've been tired over the last four weeks. It was just four weeks yesterday that I donated my kidney. Amazing. I've been tired. I've had a little bit of pain, but we've been walking a lot, haven't we? We have. In Minnesota, we walked in the snow. It's easier to walk on the beach, just so you know. And uh, but it's kind of the same though. You kind of drag your feet through. It is kind of the same, but batter. different. It's the same, <laughs> but different. Don't have to bundle us up as much. Yeah, we wear significantly less clothes here to walk. Uh, that was one of the weird side effects. Um, after the surgery, my feet were frozen. We had to put heating packs on my feet. So Jim, so people, Martha, people have said to you. It's kind of funny because they're like, would you do it again? Well, he can't do it again, guys. No, I can't you only do it. have two kids. That's right. You can't give up both. But metaphorically or, you know, just in theory, how do you feel now a month later? Are you are you so as thankful now that you did it as you did, were before? Well, Martha, I'm glad you asked that question. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, you know, there's I don't have I have zero regrets. Uh, you know, I'm a pretty high speed guy, as you know. You've yes. known me all my, you know, almost all my life. So being exhausted is a new feeling. Never felt exhausted before. I've had some exhausted moments in the last four weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not used to being limited to movement, Mm -hmm. not used to being limited to activity, uh, not used to being limited to lifting things. And it's very hard for um, me to say, you know, that I can't lift luggage or whatever. I'm like, I've had to let you do all the work. But I have zero regrets. It was the greatest privilege ever in my entire life. Next to becoming a Christ follower and marrying you, this is this is a lifetime highlight. What a mm. privilege. Mm. What a privilege. And that's why we want other people to know about it. So let's just introduce you to Bill Boyson. Bill Boyson, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you very much, Jim and Martha. Bill, how are you feeling today, my friend? Today's probably one of the best days I've had since we had our surgery, Jim. So compare that to life before surgery. Compare that to life on dialysis. Bill, is life, you know, compare, what was life like before the surgery on December 10th? Um, boy, I got to say it nice because it's on the radio. Uh, it's on Christian <laughs> talk radio. Bill. Life, on, life on dialysis, the easiest way I could sum it up is uh, I'm a God-fearing man, but I think on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I was in hell. Mm. Yeah. So on December 10th, after you got the new kidney, how soon did you realize that you felt better? Um, the next morning when I woke up. I told the nurses I felt 20 years younger. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. I, could, uh, I was, uh, everything was working correctly. And uh, I'd uh, passed eight liters of fluid during the night, which is unbelievable, the doctor said, and like, I, like the doctor told me, I'm his poster child, and I reminded him I'm not his child, I'm his poster senior citizen. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, when you look at the experience, I know you would have rather not had cystic kidney disease, polycystic kidney disease. I know you'd rather not ha- have had all the struggles of the last 20 years. But I, I, as I've said to the audience over the last 45 minutes, you know, it, this has been the greatest privilege in my entire life to be able to help you gain life back by giving you one of my kidneys. What does life look like now going forward, now that you know that you're not going to be strapped to a machine six hours a day, three days a week? To be honest with you, Jim, like I said, words could never express my feelings and my thoughts of the great gift you gave me for Christmas and that God talked to you about giving it to me. I look at my life being very, very fulfilled, where I can do just about anything I want instead of having to turn down everybody when they ask me to go on a hunting trip or a fishing trip. 
or even going on vacation mm-hmm. because I couldn't because with the dialysis you always had to be near that machine or you have to make make arrangements ahead of time to make sure a machine was available in whatever town you were going in and it's just uh it's unbelievable I'll, I'll be honest with you and Martha and your your people on the air I still don't believe it happened mm-hmm. it's just I'm in such awe and my wife and I both kind of look at each other every night after supper and we're saying our prayers, and we're praying and thanking Jim and Martha for giving me this great gift. They've given me my life, my life back. Before that, when I was on dialysis, I'll be honest with you, I didn't figure I had a life anymore mm-hmm. because the machine dictated everything I did. And when you'd come home at night after four hours of dialysis and a half hour in the chair before and a half hour after, you know, you're looking at five hours. And then I'd come home and I'd be sick for eight to nine hours afterwards. That totally took three days a week out of my life. And sometimes even the next day you didn't feel sharp. Right. It was it so was giving me my life back. I'm I'm uh the further we go from our surgery and our recovery period, I feel better every day. And uh the doctors say I'm doing phenomenal. Of course they also told me that Jim had one of the healthiest kidneys that they'd ever seen. Which is amazing. Despite the Mountain Dew, the kidney was still extraordinarily healthy. We love that. And we want <laughs> we want to make sure that Pepsi understands that and they could certainly sponsor this show. Bill, yep, we're almost out of you. we're almost out of time. Well, and, I, and I've still got my hair, Jim. Well, I'm still hoping it falls out so you can just feel like more of me in you. But it is fun for me that a little part of me got to move back to Minnesota. So I could live in Florida and Minnesota at the same time. We're going to do a show in a month or two and bring the doctor on and Susanna and Janet. We're going to bring them all into the show and and be able to share more of the story. But, Bill, I wanted people to hear your voice and and, and just share in the miracle what God has done Mm -hmm. by taking what was part of me and put it in you and giving your life back. What a privilege it was for me to be part of that. Thank you for never giving up on our friendship, which allowed me to be part of this. Thank you, mm-hmm. Bill. And we'll talk more later on a future show. But thank you, Bill. It was, okay. It's been God great. God bless you and Martha. Thanks, Bill. So I want you guys to consider becoming a living kidney donor. What a privilege it has been. Check it out online. Research it. You're going to hear more about it here on this show a lot. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace is our mission field. But ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.